Welcome back to All Fired Up, the podcast. I'm Louise Adams, your host, and I'm so happy to have you back for another episode. I'm sure your minds were all blown from last week's Volva episode, and you know, it is pretty hard to top that. But I'm really hoping that this week's conversation is a real eye opener for everybody because I know it was for me. Just before we get into this week's topic, there's just a couple of things I wanted to run through and tell you about because there's some new stuff that's come out. So first of all, there's a new ebook. So on the Untrapped website, which is untrapped.com.au, we have our brand new ebook, Why Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss is Bullshit. And this has been developed by myself and Fiona Willer, who was our guest on the first episode, and he's the ninja academic. This ebook is wonderful. It's a great free resource, so you don't have to pay for it. Just click on download and read all about why everything that we have been told from diet culture about weight loss is blatant bullshit. And I really hope you enjoy it. It's a great read and share it far and wide because I really want the world to know how much of a lie we're being sold about weight loss and about first its possibility. Second, it's safety. And third, it's necessity. So I really want to get this kind of message out there that it's complete bullshit. Weight loss focus is complete bullshit. We don't need it. And a much safer, easier and just sane way of approaching things is anti-diet, haze and everything that we do at Untrapped. Well, that was a nice rant to start the day. also wanted to tell you about Untrapped Masterclass because we're underway and it's really incredible. Lives are changing. We're getting some really lovely feedback and it's just an honour to kind of come on the adventure with everybody who's already signed up. And I would encourage anyone out there who's listening to the podcast who is struggling with food and weight and exercise and body stuff and just is really at diet rock bottom to please come and join our community because things can really be different and we're seeing that change happening only a few weeks in and I'd just love to come and meet you so please join up at untrapped.com.au. So turning now to this week's topic which is definitely very different to what we were chatting about last week with Shelley. So I went to an eating disorders conference a couple of weeks ago, the Australian and New Zealand Academy for Eating Disorders, which was in Sydney. I didn't attend the whole conference. I was really only there to present a workshop alongside Fiona Sutherland and Fiona Willer. And our workshop was on the topic of why, how we talk about bodies in eating disorder treatment is really important. And we were there to confront the weight stigma that is apparent in the eating disorders community. So we were just really proud to be invited to talk on such an important topic. But yeah, the rest of the conference was fairly interesting. And For those of you who haven't been to an eating disorders conference, you know, I guess the expectation is that, look, an eating disorders conference would be absolutely a safe place to talk about bodies and to open up this whole topic of disordered eating. And it would be a safe place, right, from diet culture. But sadly, that's not the case. And that's why I wanted to talk about this topic here on All Fired Up, because really what was happening at the Eating Disorders Conference was actually a lot of weight stigma and weight bias. And possibly the worst part of the Eating Disorders Conference was that there was quite a lot of people there from Obesity Inc. So people who 
really believe in the idea of weight loss for larger people and even more worryingly people who seem to believe that weight loss is a good idea for people like intentional weight loss is a good idea for people who are suffering from eating disorders so at an eating disorders conference we're seeing people promoting obesity prevention and i, I just can't actually get my head around this but this is actually what was happening at the conference so it was quite confronting and quite shocking. When I was there, I met an awesome person who, her name is Nicole McDermott. She is a social worker and she specializes in eating disorders. And, and I met her because we were at a plenary presentation which, and the title of this presentation was Eating Disorders and Obesity, Connections and Controversies. Yes, you heard that correctly. This was a presentation where there was basically three people, three professionals up there who were very pro. It's a good idea for people with eating disorders to lose weight. And then there was one person up there who had her head screwed on correctly, Fiona Willer, who was arguing for a weight neutral approach and sticking up for you know, protecting people with eating disorders from weight loss focus. So we were there at this plenary presentation to hear you know, the arguments on both sides and, and to support Fiona. I knew I would like Nicole as soon as I met her because she actually brought popcorn with her to watch the talk. <laughs> she was ready for a fight <laughs> and ready to see the controversy unfold. And yeah, boy, did we, you know, we definitely got entertained and we definitely had our eyes opened about where everything is sitting. So Nicole's perspective is very special because not only is she a health professional working in the field of eating disorders, she also has lived experience. She has recovered from an eating disorder. So she has really battled and been at the front line of what it's like to be faced with this psychological torture that is living with an eating disorder. And she has done this entire battle in a larger body. She has always been in a larger body. She was unwell with an eating disorder in a larger body and now she's recovered in a larger body. And what was very interesting in talking to Nicole was what it was like for her at an eating disorders conference. What it's like to be in a fat body in recovery from an eating disorder at an eating disorders conference where everyone's talking about how good it is to get people with eating disorders to lose weight. So look, needless to say, there was lots of fiery conversations at the conference and I knew I had to get Nicole on to talk to her about what went on and to get this kind of really important discussion happening because we really need to talk about what's going on in the eating disorder community and we need to very much stand up against this message that it's absolutely fine to focus on weight loss in eating disorder treatment. So I think you're going to really love this conversation. I know I did and I would love to hear some feedback if you want to send that in after you've listened. So without any further ado, here we go. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us this week, Nicole. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really excited about this conversation and I really want to get the ball rolling. So what is firing you up this week? Let's just jump straight in. I'm excited too. What's firing me up this week is the eating disorders conference that we were both at a couple of weeks ago. And mm -hmm. yeah, the complete lack of representation of people in larger bodies and the way that language used at the conference was really problematic and really, I guess, stigmatizing when we're talking about eating disorders and recovery. And I guess how that reinforced a lot of body ideals and a lot of 
exclusivity in, and I guess the way that, you know, eating disorders are, are treated and, and seen amongst a group of professionals working in this area. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's where I met you. And I'm really glad that we met and got talking because, yeah, here we are at an eating disorders conference. And I guess people listening might assume that if we're uh, at an eating disorders conference, that it would be a safe place that it would be somewhere where the full range of eating disorders were represented and that special attention was paid to this kind of topic. But it's interesting because I haven't been to the eating disorders conference in probably seven or eight years. And the reason I haven't been back is because when I used to go, it was purely about anorexia Mm. and, you know, Anorexia is a very serious mental illness and it's very important to talk about and have discussions at conferences. But what I noticed, uh, you know, clinically I see people with a full range of eating disorders and probably much more uh, binge eating presentations or, you know, people who are sort of struggling with disordered eating but not in that classic restricted Mm. way. So I felt like, I really felt like the conference wasn't for me (laughs) as as a clinician. So I stopped going. And this one, you know, obviously I was back there because I was doing a workshop presentation with Fiona Willer and Fiona Sutherland. And we were invited to do this workshop, which we were talking about the way we speak about bodies is important. So I was really excited to get back there and to start talking about this topic to the eating disorder community. But yeah, the conference was, it was just really interesting because there, as you said, there still is quite a focus on the restrictive stuff. Mm, mm. so much and just not like I don't actually think there were any presentations in the program about for example binge eating disorder no and funny you should say that I was actually having a look back through the program again a couple of nights ago and just yet it kind of blew my mind and something that I think I'd kind of overlooked at the time and something that I just kind of gone oh okay but it was only when I looked back through it, I was like, actually, no, like, where are we seeing this representation of people that are experiencing this full spectrum of disordered eating? You know, as you said, I think anorexia is something that is devastating for somebody that's experiencing it. But when we consider that that's just such a small representation of all people experiencing disordered eating in today's world, you know, it just, there's room to just open up such a larger conversation around this. And I think it's a conversation that just really needs to be had. Yeah, it definitely does. So there's some stats from the Butterfly Foundation about, you know, the breakdown of eating disorders in Australia. So about a million Australians have eating disorders. It's a Mm. huge number. Of that, 47% have binge eating disorder. So almost almost half. Yeah. 38% in that other category where I guess people aren't presenting symptoms that would classify them clearly in an eating disorder category. So for the vast majority of eating disorders in that spectrum, only 3% of all eating disorders are anorexia nervosa and 12% bulimia nervosa. So you can really see that it's very, very much more representative when we talk about eating disorders, to talk about binge eating, to talk about disordered eating. And it it really is interesting. It's just sort of bewildering why that complete flip is happening at an eating disorders conference. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, where are these conversations? You know, did, did I miss them? Did I blink? Did I miss them? You know, as you said, it's just completely bewildering and it blows my mind as to why we're not talking about uh, yeah, oh, lost my words, but why are we not talking about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, I can feel you're getting fired up and I know that you have a particular story, I guess, and your voice is important because, well, why don't you tell me about what, how you're coming into this? Yeah, I guess I, I come into this with quite a unique perspective and, you know, I, <laughs> when you asked me to come and appear on this podcast, I think, you know, I was kind of thinking about it in terms of from, <laughs> from that societal perspective, you know, I'm quite an anomaly, you know, I'm walking in there as somebody that has an experience of an eating disorder, has recovered, I'm a woman in a larger body my experience of my eating disorder had pretty much been in a larger body for, you know, 98% of, of the time. But I'm also a social worker and I'm also working in this field now. So, I mean, for me, kind of coming in and being amongst, I guess this was kind of my first eating disorders conference, you know, as a professional and being amongst this, it's kind of like, well, where is that representation? And where is, where are people like me, I guess, was my question, yeah. you know, in a completely unselfish way, but where are people like me? Where are bodies like mine? You know, we exist. Where are they? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, and that's, really your experience the whole time has been kind of difficult right I mean what was it like to get treatment for an eating disorder in a larger body oh look there, <laughs> there are so many things that I could say and I guess the experience itself I guess was what I needed at the time and helpful at the time Looking back on it now, I guess what I want to say about this is that nuances in treatment for people with larger bodies are really important. We have to think about ensuring accessibility and inclusivity for all bodies amongst eating disorder treatment. And I guess, you know, coming down to, I guess I should kind of preface this with my experience of treatment in a larger body in an eating disorder setting was in day program. I guess in kind of ensuring that group activities and interventions in that sense are appropriate for people across the entire spectrum of eating disorder presentations, are appropriate for people across the entire spectrum of body types. To give you an example, and it's something that I was quite complacent about at the time and just accepted. But actually, right now, it really pisses me off, you know. The fact that going in there and, you know, part of treatment in that sense was to be weighed once a week and, okay, mm. you know, not great, but fine. But, you know, stripping down to your underwear and having to put a gown on. But for me, the gowns that they had available didn't fit my body type. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... So here I am standing on a scale, which was really distressing at the time, but you know, my ass is hanging out the back. Like, how is, yeah. How is that? Okay. It's not okay. Is it? It's sort of, I mean, you know, the whole kind of concept of being weighed in an eating disorder unit is for me difficult, but to have clothes that don't fit you, it sends a message, doesn't it? It sends that message that, that your body is wrong or that yeah it's clear that the units are set up for a certain type of body which is a small, mm. a small one and, mm. Mm. and that you know what eating disorders come in a whole range of body sizes and yeah it really does need to be reflected 
Absolutely. And I think it's all well and good to say that and to reinforce that and to, I guess, kind of promote that amongst recovery. But you need to be able to match that with the resources that you have available. You need to be able to walk the walk as well as talk the talk, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So Mm. I guess to reinforce one body ideal or one body type amongst treatment, you know, that's, it's heartbreaking. It's horrible. You know, we're implicitly stigmatizing whole communities of people experiencing eating disorders. And I guess in that sense, it's really just colluding with the messages from diet culture. It's right. And I guess what we saw at the eating disorder conference is reflective of why the eating disorder units are like that. The entire eating disorder community is weight biased. For sure. Yeah. I remember you pointing out to me that our presentation was the only one at the entire conference that used images of people in a variety of body sizes. In the context in, I guess, kind of celebrating diversity. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And that to me was mind blowing. Why? Mm. You know, why is that only such a small snapshot of a two day conference? Why are we only seeing representation amongst an hour and a half presentation? Yeah. You know, in saying that there was other imagery that was used, but it was used in a negative stigmatizing way. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we saw lots of people presenting and when they would present on quote unquote obesity, they would pair it with humiliating images, you know, the classic headless person eating a hamburger kind of. That's exactly right. Like, come on. Really disappointing. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I could feel my blood boiling at those times. I'm like, what? I know. Yeah. I know, and this is why you're here, to get it off the chest. <laughs> but but that's the other thing that was, frankly, like, frightening at the eating disorder conference for me. We're at an eating disorder conference, but they had invited along. There was a real in- presence there of obesity treatment people. Mm-hmm. So people who are into behavioural weight loss. I mean, basically people who I call obesity inc. You know, people who are still... <laughs> yes. People selling weight loss were at the eating disorders conference and there's this idea that in a plenary discussion that there's a conversation that needs to be had that eating disorders community and obesity community need to be having conversations and we need to be kind of blending our treatments and uh, what? (laughs) No, just no. Because let's just review, right? There are certain things that are driving up eating disorder rates. And there are certain aspects of diet culture which really put us at risk of increasing rates of eating disorders. One is this thin ideal Mm. and the other is the obesity hysteria. And those two elements together are driving up eating disorder rates because people are frightened of becoming fat and so they're trying to diet and that's when they get into trouble and get an eating disorder. So I'm not sure why we're inviting one of the main culprits (laughs) I was gonna say perpetrators but you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of like inviting the fashion industry along right it's exactly come on Tommy Hilfiger why don't you come in and talk to us about eating disorders (laughs) I don't understand it I don't understand it and I think it was actually quite sickening to see obesity treatment in the room with Mm. I mean eating disorders are so devastating and eating disorders are so difficult to treat Absolutely. And oh, to see 
this focus on weight loss is a good idea was horrendous. I know this whole idea of supported weight loss. And I think, you know, I remember something that you'd said off the bat that just stuck with me, you know, that whole idea of it dieting in a wonder bra, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a comment made so that we had a series of speakers at the end of the eating disorder conference who were pushing this idea of it's safe and okay to add behavioural weight loss after an eating disorder treatment intervention. And one of them, Evelyn Smith, was talking about this idea of supported weight loss because she was trying to differentiate whatever she was talking. She was kind of saying dieting doesn't work, but we also can't have fat people. And behavioural weight loss is a good idea because it's not a diet. It's supported weight loss. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. By that time, our heads were spinning and that's when I made what the hell is supported weight loss is that dieting in a wonder bra. So, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's just that whole idea. I think, you know, our heads were spinning, you know, and that's exactly what it was. And it's like this whole idea of getting mixed messages that, obesity is bad let's fix it with supported dieting like weight loss but dieting isn't sustainable and it will ultimately lead to weight regain but we've got an obesity crisis and we must fix it by having or making or forcing people to lose weight because we just can't have fat people in this world like yeah exactly exactly i mean it was a very convoluted logic that they were trying to use and it just didn't make any sense no it didn't yeah. none at I mean, all first of all I hate the word obesity, but they kept using it. But, but mm. first of all, obesity is a distant risk factor that has associations with BMIs. Mm. But eating disorders are here and now, and they're killing people. I don't yeah. understand. It seems to me, why are we focusing on the former when the latter is clearly what we need to be looking at? That's exactly right. Exactly right. Mm. It yeah. just it blows my mind, and I think... That whole idea of, you know, that obesity hysteria. And yeah, I really want to bring up the example of, you know, the beginning of that plenary session and the complete disregard of using weight inclusive terminology. You know, that, that idea of Yeah, tell us that story. That was that was probably the clanger of the conference. That was the icing on the cake for me, and that was what kind of really fired me up. Look, the beginning of that plenary session started with a presentation around, you know, obesity is a damning word and, you know, we should be referring to people in larger bodies and et cetera, et cetera. And I was kind of sitting there thinking, all right, you know, I'll give this a go. I'll pay attention. And it started off okay. And then next minute, like three seconds later, the presenter turned around and said, you know, I know that obesity is a damning word, so to speak, but for the sake of this presentation and just because it takes too long to say people in larger bodies all the time, I'm just going to refer to people as obese and you'll just have to pretend that I'm referring to people in larger bodies. Like, come on, stop blowing oh smoke up my ass. Oh my God. Even though I was there just hearing it repeated, it's such a horrific thing that happened. Like, because it would, she couldn't be bothered. <laughs> it would take too long to say, so she's not going to say it. It's, I can't actually believe that happened, but it did. She had been sitting in our workshop just prior. She'd heard about weight stigma. She'd heard about using ah. sensitive language. And 
This, I didn't know that. There you go. The, and then this just actually got, he said, I heard what you said, but it takes too long to say it, so I can't be bothered. I want to tell you a story. Last year, I went to the Beta conference, the Binge Eating Disorder mm. Association conference in San Francisco. And unlike the conference that we were at, this conference was full of diversity and full of respectful language. I don't think I heard the word obesity the entire time I was there. We had larger chairs for people in bigger bodies. We had gender neutral bathrooms. It was just amazing to see how much attention had been paid to Mm. sensitivity and inclusiveness. And there was a lot of talk about social justice stuff. And one of the presenters had, uh, she made a comment which was unintentionally racist. Mm. And it was, I mean, it was a clanger moment. It was definitely kind of akin to what had happened you know what we witnessed she made a racist comment and she wasn't allowed to keep talking she was stopped by the moderator and her error was pointed out and she was asked to apologize before she could continue her talk and that's exactly what happened I mean it was a very awkward moment for everybody in the room but it was really important because she was offending people you know and she had said something like similar to what this person had said. But the difference, right? And I kind of think about that moment in San Francisco and I think about what happened at the ANZ conference and I really, really wish that I'd stood up and said something to her. I really wish I'd stood up and said, actually, you know what, what you've done is really disrespectful and I really need you to actually Mm. use that respectful language because you're offending people. I mean, that for me, it just, it doesn't add up. Like, why are we so behind the times? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's kind of why I didn't stand up, right? Because it was clear that the climate was very, very far away from where the beta conference was. It's clear that we are nowhere near. Even understanding stigma, even understanding bias isn't there. And it's just, there's microaggressions going on left, right and centre. And it just isn't getting called out. And you know what? That makes me, I guess, simultaneously really fucking angry and really sad at the same time. You know, I guess for me personally, sitting there and listening to that just blatant disregard for, you know, weight inclusive language, it just, for me, that message was your voice doesn't matter. Your body is wrong. It needs to be fixed. And your experiences aren't valued here. That's horrendous. And you know what? Like your voice and your experience is really important and should be said. Mm. And, you know, what troubles me is leaving, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I left the eating disorder conference because of what it was like. I'm not going to leave again. I'm here and I'm going to be a squeaky wheel. I can't <laughs> like yep. now on, yep. it's going to be a pain with this. Yep. Because I want diversity in these conferences. I really think we need diversity and voices and lived experiences and bigger bodies absolutely Absolutely. in the centre of this. And we need to just eradicate this gaslighting and this blowing smoke up people's asses. It just, Mm -hmm. it's not okay. And it just does so much more damage. Yeah, we need to get rid of Obesity Inc. We need to remove (laughs) them. Remove them. Absolutely. is no room for a conversation from obesity inc in an eating disorders community there simply isn't 
No, there's not. It's damaging. Yeah, it is doing damage. And, you know, what are they doing here? It's just really weird. Like, we don't have the depression and obesity clinic, right? We don't have the OCD and obesity clinic. You know what? We don't have that because in psychology, we just don't have, we don't have obesity inc involved in any of our other treatments. Mm, yeah. Someone's body size is not a mental illness. No. Nor is it a disease. <laughs> so they don't exist, but they're not anywhere else. And they shouldn't be here in the most vulnerable population. They should not be here with eating disorders. Absolutely. And I really loved what you just said then. You know, it's not a mental illness and it's not a disease and nor is it anybody else's fucking business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Particularly when we have literally zero ways of changing someone's body shape or size permanently and safely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very dangerous interventions. That, that work at best in the short term and then, you know, they're a long-term predictor of weight gain, not loss. Mm, mm. And they do all of this psychological damage along the way. Absolutely. Which, which didn't we see complete denial of that in, <laughs> in oh. the presentations? <laughs> so we saw, you know, speaker after speaker stand up and talk about how awesome weight loss is. And worst of all, they were talking about how it actually is harmless, right? So they're saying <laughs> we can treat someone with an eating disorder using our standard treatments and then we'll put the big ones on a diet. And mm. here's some research to show that that doesn't cause any harm whatsoever. And I'm sorry, let's talk about, you know, sample sizes and all of that sort of stuff because, you know, it was extensive research, right? I think there were, like, how many, like, eight people? She was eight talking? people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, it was the worst science I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm having a flashback. It was terrible. So her justification, like, her certainty that this was doing no harm was because they had done a psychometric measure of how many binges people were engaging in their very long follow-up of about, I think, 12 weeks, was it? Yeah, it was something ridiculously small. Yeah, and because people in this extremely small study (laughs) were not reporting binges... then that was proof that this was completely safe and causing no damage. So I was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. I can tell that the both of us are sitting here going, oh, my God. <laughs> but hitting the nail on the head in what you just said there, the amount of people that are reporting binges. Mm. You know, mm. we both know that for people that are experiencing binging in that sense, you know, it, it comes attached with so much shame and so much guilt. I mean, I would not be surprised if the rates of binges that people were engaging in, and I, I hate to even use that that terminology, but mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they were a lot higher than what people were actually reporting. Well, absolutely. Of course, if you've got your treatment provider who is obviously weight biased saying, I really want you to lose weight Mm. (laughs) and clearly she is invested, of course you're going (laughs) to say, I'm not binging. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even if that's correct and no binging happened in 12 weeks, that doesn't mean the eating disorder is cured. No. It just doesn't because we're talking about reported symptom. We're not looking at the full picture, the full clinical picture of of Mm. this person. I mean, I would love to get a bit of qualitative research in there because 
something that is not being done. I mean, this is, it's literally a thing. People are being treated for an eating disorder and then put on diets. This is becoming the new thing. It's, it's horrifying. And what I want to do with those people is sit them down and ask them the question, like, how do you feel about being treated for an eating disorder, which includes, you know, letting go of scale weight stuff mm. and trying to loosen from the over-evaluation of shape and weight is important. Like, how do you feel about being treated for that and then stuck on a diet because your body's bigger than the other people in the eating disorder unit? How do you feel about that? I mean, I notice the kind of blatant leap of logic that's somehow happened. They're like, mm. it's really gaslighting. Surely people were being subjected to this treatment and noticing the disconnection as well, but no one's asking them about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, mass, deni <laughs> mass denial. Mass denial. Absolutely. Of, of the big picture. Absolutely. You know, I, I can kind of talk to that whole idea of, of being treated for an eating disorder and being put on a diet. And I, I guess kind of what that would have felt like for me in that instance, you know, being treated for my eating disorder and still being a person in a larger body. And I think if somebody had have said, look, we're going to put you on a diet, that's just reinforcing that whole mental anguish around the thoughts and the feelings that you already have around your body being defective and wrong and too big and taking up too much space. And the list goes on, believe me, like it's just reinforcing those whole ideas that eating disorder treatment tries to break you away from. <laughs> yeah, there's just, no, yeah, just, there's just no other way of interpreting that. <laughs> it, just, it just does not add up. Like, it's like two and two make 34. Like, come on. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, we've just cured your eating disorder. Now we're going to give it straight back to you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that whole idea of, like, almost prescribing eating disorder symptoms for those in larger bodies. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh, I just had a clanging, horrible reminder. Oh, one, of, one of the quotes up on somebody's slide was that cognitive restraint in people in larger bodies is actually a good thing. Oh, God. Oh, cognitive restraint is an eating disorder symptom, you know, and a symptom of disordered eating where people feel, you know, quite guilty about the food oh. that they're eating and feel like they shouldn't be eating it. And it, so targeting cognitive restraint in treatment is something we try to do, right? And to see it written down there that, oh, a bit of cognitive restraint's really good in a bigger person. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> so a bit of any disorder is good if you're in a bigger body. Absolutely. Like, it just, it blows my mind. It's like, you know, let's just kind of give you a conditional recovery from your eating disorder. Like, you know. Let's it, encourage you to keep it. Let's exactly eating disorder oh my god like an eating disorder is not anything to do with the body size of a person an eating disorder is a horrible mental set of symptoms behaviors thoughts patterns that are really difficult to break it's psychological torture mm -hmm. of an eating disorder and we don't keep bits of an eating disorder in a misguided effort to make people thin it's no not okay so seeing that in a slide and seeing that being presented by a health professional was Ugh. shocking absolutely absolutely I kind of really want to come back to a point that really stood out for me around self-compassion in behavioral weight loss and how self-compassion and self-care you know amongst 
any health behavior or any health focused intervention is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be really interested to know what your thoughts on that were because it just blew my mind. Well, you know, you know, self compassion is something I'm very close to, and yeah, that's what yeah. I'm all about and. Yes, it was Evelyn Smith again talking about how in her behavioural weight loss gaslight treatment. <laughs> <laughs> like so as as you're kind of confusing the hell out of people, it's very important to use self-compassion. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think Let's... that's when I wanted to throw things at the stage. Because, I mean, you know what? Obesity Inc. have been steadily stealing stuff from body positive. And self-compassion is one of the main key things that we use to help people unhook from diet culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It is not a tool to help you stick to a diet. It's just, No. It's not. Now, that can just bugger off right now. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. You know, let's be self-compassionate about the fact that we're going to support you to lose weight, but we know that dieting and, and weight loss is a big predictor of weight regain anyway. So we're going to help you be self-compassionate about the fact that you're likely to regain all this weight that we're supporting you to lose. Like, where's the logic? <laughs> well, there's no logic. That was- There's none. <laughs> it's a logic spaghetti. It's... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was the thing. Like, so the, on the plenary that we're talking about, there were three weight-focused health professionals. And then there was Fiona Willer, who is presenting on the health at every size alternative, you know, weight-neutral stuff and why that needs to be central in eating disorder treatment as opposed to trying to blend eating disorder <laughs> treatment and obesity ink. And I know I'm biased because I'm very much on the haze side of things, but Fiona Willer's presentation was the only one that made logical sense. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Everybody else's presentation was a spaghetti sauce of confusion between obesity ink and eating disorder treatment, and it did not make logical sense. They were trying to justify their positions, which are untenable. I mean, it was just so for me, like very clear that the great leap <laughs> that, that <laughs> needs to be made. You know, if we go down this path of trying to blend like an impossible harmful treatment alongside eating disorders treatment, we are going to go Mm. into just a spiral hellhole of worse outcomes and we're going to lose the trust of people who come to us for help. Absolutely. And I don't want to go down that path. No, no. And I guess as a person with lived experience, you know, I don't want to see other people who are experiencing disordered eating in whatever form that may take. I don't want to see people have to go down that path or be taken down that path because it's so damaging and it's so messy. And I feel really, really strongly about everybody, like everybody being respected and being included Mm. in all forms of treatment. It's a no-brainer to me, but why as a culture and why as, I guess, a you know, a culture of professionals, are we having so much trouble getting this? Mm, yeah, well, I do think we are having trouble getting it and I think it's because of weight stigma, because there's so mm. much internalised weight stigma and prejudice mm. and the increasing incursion of obesity ink into our vulnerable communities. And, yeah, we do need a real cultural shift, real cultural shift, and that's... Absolutely. You know, the health at every size approach is safe 
It's effective mm. and it's inclusive and it is a much better option than trying to squeeze in diet culture again. Absolutely. So that's my mission, right? From now on, I'm not leaving eating disorder conference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be annoying and I'm going to be loud and I would encourage all anti-diet health professionals to do the same and to elevate the voices like of people like you and this is just the future it need, we're here and we need to just stand up and say we're not going anywhere and it's not okay absolutely it's not okay absolutely drink us in in either body size or voice mm, mm. yeah yeah and I think that's what's so important about community it's so important about finding like-minded people yeah. <laughs> I've got so much to say that it's just not coming out but I, I think you know, we do, we need to be those squeaky wheels and we need to stand up for the injustices and we need to be able to say, this is not okay. You know, and, and I'm glad that you're not backing down and I'm glad that you're making a noise and I'm glad that you're going to be annoying. Like, And I'm sure you will too. And I think, Absolutely. So we've, I only met you at the conference. We found each mm. other at the conference and I know that like the more, the more meetings like this happen, the, the more confident we all feel to, mm. to talk up and the more we remember and connect with why it's important to do. Absolutely. Yeah, community is powerful. Connection is powerful. You know, there is mm. there is power in groups and in doing things like, you know, joining Hayes Australia, for example, if you're a health professional or standing up at a conference and saying, I don't like what you just said, you need to use more respectful yep. language. Stuff like that needs to continue happening. And you know what, I actually kind of wrote a few things down before we had a chat today around, you know, what is it that we can do to increase the representation and the voice of everybody? And I guess for me, one of the huge things is be curious, be respectfully curious of people in larger bodies. Don't dismiss them. Don't dismiss us. Ask us questions. You know, question the things that don't sit right for you. Stand up. Yeah. You know, keep having or keep challenging those conversations. Keep having conversations and, you know, push back against all the bullshit. <laughs> Call it out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like, and I guess... I like the um, respectfully curious. That's really, mm. a really nice way of putting it. Be And respect and just listen, don't dismiss. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that for someone to become an ally of larger body people and be respectfully curious in that sense can be so powerful. Mm. You will learn a lot if you just sit and listen to us. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I love that. I'm really hoping that you're going to be presenting at the next eating disorder conference. I'm just going to put it <laughs> it's out. It's crossed my mind. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> just plant that seed. <laughs> plant a seed. Maybe we've got to walk the walk if we're going to talk the talk. <laughs> but I think a presentation yeah, yeah, yeah. you would be an excellent start in changing the climate at conferences like this and making them much more mm. inclusive, much more like beta. Mm. Mm. What a wonderful conversation. Yeah. So much. Yeah. yeah. I know that this probably... Thank you for be. having me. Oh, look, this will not be the last conversation we have because I can see... <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope your, your rage level has, <laughs> has shifted down a notch and... <laughs> it has. It has. <laughs> yeah. No, I think a lot of good is <laughs> out of people hearing this talk. So... 
Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the incredible Nicole McDermott. What an amazing individual. What a lot of energy and fire in her belly. And I know that the world is going to change to be a much better place for those suffering with eating disorders thanks to women like her. And I just can't get enough of her opinion and fire. So what an amazing conversation. And I hope that all of you guys listening will look into coming to the eating disorders conference down in Melbourne next year, because there's bound to be some really interesting presentations. And you know what, put yours in too. If you're an eating disorder specialist and you deal with binge eating or you deal with, you know, people who are more representative of those who are suffering, please go and put your abstracts in and turn up and let's start speaking really loudly. So you can find out more about Nicole and what she's up to on social media. So Nicole McDermott is also known as the Embodied Journey at Instagram and on Facebook. So please go there to find out more about her and where she's at. So thanks again for listening to another wonderful episode of All Fired Up. And of course, next week we will be back with a fresh steaming heap of diet culture garbage. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe so you can get regular updates with our weekly podcasts and you won't miss a single bit of stuff that we're saying. And go onto iTunes to leave a really nice review about us so the more reviews we get and the more attention we get the more the rankings improve and that means that more people can hear how shitty diet culture is and how we can change it so i really look forward to seeing you all next week and in the meantime trust no one think critically push back against diet culture untrap from the crap <laughs>